The Locked and Loaded Latinos podcast is part of the Self-Defense Radio Network. All your pro-freedom podcasts in one place. You can find the Self-Defense Radio Network at sdrn.us. Some of the great shows that you'll see there are the Polite Society podcast, Self-Defense Gun Stories, Gun Freedom Radio, Riding Shotgun with Charlie, and many, many others. Thank you so much for being a listener, and we hope you enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. This is Rolo the Puerto Rican Pistolero. And as always, I am joined by my lovely, beautiful wife and co-host, Johanna Latina Locked and Loaded. This is episode 65 of the Locked and Loaded Latinos podcast, and we welcome you to a special Saturday night episode. Thank you all so much for being here, and we look forward to having another great show as always. How are you doing this evening, my love? I just want to say my name is Johanna. I... I'm told I'm a white passing Latina. I'm sorry, Latin X. And I'm wearing a black shirt with a meme on it for those who can't see it. <laughs> uh, for, for those of you that don't know, Joe is actually sharing kind of an inside joke here, which I actually want to start the show with just to kind of show a little bit of the craziness that we've got going on in the world today, but also to give everybody a little bit more of uh, something lighthearted to start the evening. So. I don't know if I would call that lighthearted. <laughs> we'll see how you guys feel afterwards. So we'll put that on screen right now, and we will go ahead and play that. Hello, and welcome to Microsoft Ignite. We've got a big day ahead and lots in store for you. First, we want to acknowledge that the land where the Microsoft campus is situated was traditionally occupied by the Sammamish, the Duwamish, the Snoqualmie, the Suquamish, the Muckleshoot, the Snohomish, the Tulalip, and other Coast Salish peoples since time immemorial. Blah, 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 blah. My name is Allison Wines. I'm a senior program manager in our developer tools division. I'm an Asian and white female with dark brown hair wearing a red sleeveless top. And I'm Seth Juarez, Program Manager in the AI Platform Group. I'm a tall Hispanic male wearing a blue shirt, khaki pants. Today we kick off two days of learning more about the latest solutions, exploring how these key innovations can empower you to do great things, and connecting with peers from around the world. This is what you're doing. This is what I want you to do. Hello, everyone. I'm Natalia Gadilla. I'm a Caucasian woman with long blonde hair, and I go by she, her. I'm a product marketing lead here at Microsoft and co-host of the podcast Security Unlocked with this guy. Yes, that would be me. Hello, everyone. I'm Nick Fillingham. I'm a Caucasian man with glasses and a beard. I go by he, him, and I'm a security evangelist here at Microsoft. <laughs> oh, that, that was uh, an unorthodox... I forgot, uh, I forgot to say my hair color. Did I say my hair color or was I too thinking too hard about it? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it was... Um, it was ridiculous. That was uh, the opening of Microsoft Ignite, which is one of their developer conferences that went on earlier this week. It was absurd. It is a joke uh, all around, not just social media, but the tech space. And it kind of encapsulates where a lot of corporations and where the woke madness is going to the point where it's just absurd. It's a waste of time. Uh, it makes things a total joke. And it, it, it results with like companies taking responsibility or trying to acknowledge things that they have absolutely no responsibility for. I mean, just the opening there where they're trying to acknowledge all the, you know, native uh, American tribes that existed in the Seattle area near Microsoft's uh, Redmond campus. 
And it's like, why does Microsoft... Microsoft did not exist <laughs> hundreds or thousands of years ago. Uh, so it's just absolutely crazy how that all works. And, uh, and just the fact that they had to go and share their pronouns and do all that stuff uh, was pretty ridiculous. So I thought we'd start the show off with that just to show you just a little bit how crazy some people are out there. And just well, I don't know if it's the people or it's the it's pressure the on the companies. Like, I don't, I don't get it, and I just don't like as a minority. I don't feel the need for someone to say all that. I'm sorry, like I don't need that. I don't know who needs that, but I don't need that. Yeah, and and then no, I was, I, I don't, I don't know how that makes the average person feel. I know this isn't about guns, but I'm just like, I'm a little bit confused when Rolando showed me that earlier, and I was just like, I don't. I don't, is the average person out there, forget, I know we're a little bit more awakened to what's going on in the world in this, in this room, let's say, mm -hmm. um, but the average person living down the street from you, what do they think when they see that? Are they like, wait, what, what is going on? Mm -hmm. Like Debbie from, you know, down the street wherever small town usa doesn't have to be a rural area like what is she thinking when she says this or or you know i, I don't know if it's microsoft is it more kids watching this is that what they're expecting i don't know what their target uh, demographic is yeah I, I i thought about visually impaired but then at the same time i i thought to myself okay let's say you were blind your entire life this doesn't you help even, you at all because no, you have no reference point you don't know what any of those things are you don't know what colors are you don't know Okay, you can say that you're Caucasian, black, uh, honest, Asian, or I, anything. Even if I didn't, if I knew what it was, I don't think I care if I'm tuning in to, first of all, how how'd they get there? I don't know. I'm not, this is going to break my brain. Um, but um, I think someone logging in to hear the latest, greatest, whatever's going on with Microsoft does not care what color hair the presenter has or how long it is. And that's just like, it's mind-blowing to me. It's like, why... Who came up with the need for this? Mm -hmm. yeah. I'm sorry. I know this isn't freedom oriented. It's just what what is going on with the world this week. <laughs> yeah. So we didn't want to think too much into it. We just wanted to throw that in there and just show that things are pretty crazy uh, in some of these places. And just be on the lookout, especially when you see major corporations like that. And absolutely. G-Webs in the chat says, why did the one dude say he had a beard but not a mohawk? Because I feel like the offended me as a mohawk supporting goatees. <laughs> and I want to say, I feel like his identifying like trait was actually the mohawk. I didn't even realize he had a goatee. I was like, oh, that dude's got a mohawk when yeah. I saw him. So I feel like he's selling the people short that he's describing. He's selling himself short to that. Now they don't really have the full picture. Absolutely. I feel, yeah. I feel they're gypped. So if you're going to do it this way, you got to go all the way. They just did a bad job at doing something. So it was mediocre for everybody. Well, how would you describe yourself, Rolando, if, if you were a Microsoft worker? I don't know. I don't know how I would describe myself. I would just say that I'm a dude. I identify as a dude. Yeah. All right. Anyway. I identify as a dude and, uh, and that's it. If they don't like it, well, that's too bad. <laughs> so what's on the agenda? But anyway, today? yeah. So uh, we just threw you a little bit of a diversion out there. But tonight... I was going to start off with a really, really hardcore rant tonight because, uh, as we've been talking about the last few weeks, the OSHA, um, the OSHA enforcement or the OSHA regulations behind uh, Biden's poke mandate finally were released yesterday. And uh, I was ready, or a couple days ago, and I was ready to go on a world class rant all about it. But luckily, today, 
there was a stay by the uh, the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals that actually stopped all of this in its tracks. So I'll briefly go over uh, the OSHA ETS, the emergency, uh, what is it, the... Here it is, the OSHA, okay. Yeah. Department the emergency of Labor temporary standard issues emergency temporary standard to protect workers from coronavirus. Mm -hmm. So I've got that up on the screen. Let's bring it up here. Uh, this is the press release from November the fourth. The U.S. Department of Labor's OSHA today announced an emergency temporary standard to protect more than eighty-four million workers from the spread of the virus on the job the nation's unjabbed workers face grave danger really we do <laughs> from workplace exposure to coronavirus and immediate action is necessary to protect them hmm. okay under this standard blah 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 you guys know the deal essentially what it says is that any corporation with more than 100 employees by january 4th must make sure that everybody working in their company has the poke now there are some exceptions to this i did see some delineations for companies that do completely remote work where everybody works at home, which actually makes a lot of sense. Uh, and a few other different uh, exemptions and things like that there. Uh, obviously, we have a $13,600 fine, approximately almost 14000 for any violation of these rules. And then we have a $130,000 thereabout fine for anybody that does it willfully multiple times, which could obviously destroy a lot of uh, even businesses with 100 people aren't that large when you think about it. Um, that's about where my company, the company that I work for, is at. So, uh, yep, this came out, and immediately there were lawsuits. Uh, first, I think the first lawsuit was actually by Ben Shapiro's Daily Wire. Uh, they, they dropped it out immediately, and then several states' attorney general also dropped in um, opposition to this. So you can see here, this is the U.S., uh, state uh, Court of Appeals for the Fifth Circuit, and it's nice, short, and sweet. It says, before the court is the petitioner's emergency motion to stay the enforcement of the OSHA administra of OSHA's November 5th, 2021 ETS, quote-unquote, the mandate. I love how they, even the court officially just calls it the mandate. mandate. <laughs> uh, pending expedited judicial review because the petitions give cause to believe that there are grave statutory and constitutional issues with the mandate, the mandate is hereby stayed pending further action by this court. So that's good. I personally think, okay, so people on the, on people that agree with these mandates try to cite history and things like that, but let's be perfectly honest. All Supreme Court cases in the past have not dealt with a federal level. They have dealt with states trying to have these sorts of mandates. And the last time I checked in history, uh, mandates did not prevent me from being able to go buy food in many cases, like you see in cities with uh, with uh, jab passports. Didn't prevent me to go to work. Uh, you know, people try to bring up school. Well, guess what? Uh, I haven't been in school in, what, almost uh, 18 years now. Wow. Yeah. That yeah. sounds like a long time. Yeah, it's actually like 16 years since I've been in school. Well, actually, college graduated much more recently than that, but that's about high school. Uh, so... You know, you can't tell me that there's a precedent here. Plus, you could theoretically get homeschooled or private schooling where you don't have those standards. At least we have virtual school here in Florida. Yeah, so so there is no historical precedent for this on a federal level. And there is no circumstance in, in the history of this country where you have basically seen people 
threatened with losing their livelihoods and having access to goods and services, which is what makes this so unprecedented and tyrannical and honestly something that needs to be opposed on every level. I mean, just to bring it into perspective, if you go back in history and see how the country reacted to the polo, um, which is also an incredibly... Polio? The polo. Oh, okay. I'm saying polo. Oh, okay. <laughs> the polo. Joe's very sensitive to YouTube's rules. I'm not really that sensitive to him because we're never going to be monetized. So go matter. ahead. I don't care about monetization. <laughs> I care about not getting yanked off. We won't get to... yanked off. You're telling the truth. Go ahead. I don't know. You derailed me. But anyway, if you look at history and how the country reacted, I mean, I mean, the government reacted to the polo, um, which was, as if you if you know your history, quite a bad. I don't know if it, you would call it. I don't know what what level it got to in terms of the the. It, it was, was definitely it? a horrifying disease. Yeah, but it was quite spread and very easy to catch, and um, only about fifty percent of the country at the time at the peak was um, jabbed for this. And still, even though this was a disease that left children having to, you know, there's I think the, there's still like one lady left who, that still relies on an iron lung to breathe, and I think she had it since she was a small child. Uh, that sounds like a pretty horrible disease that, you know, would instigate fear and panic in people. And yet it didn't get to the point where there was anything like a mandate for it. Mm -hmm. So that should put it into perspective of, you know, the, what, what is this really about? If we had something that was killing people and the people that weren't, that didn't die were left completely uh, paralyzed and mm -hmm. to the point where they couldn't even breathe without an iron lung. And yet still in that situation, the government did not go to the, the distance it went to now. Yep. So is this really about? No, it isn't. And a on disease or is this really about power? Yeah. And honestly, where this really breaks down is what I call, I think the biggest lie of the year. If we're not talking about the World Series last year, which I'm not talking about the actual World Series, I'm talking about an event where people voted for the leaders of this country. Uh, if you accept that that's not the biggest lie of the year, I would argue that this was the biggest lie of the year. And the problem is that the federal government has continued to, they haven't perpetuated this, but they do nothing to continue the perpetuation of this lie, which is... Which is much more transmissible and more deadly in terms of non-unvaccinated people. The, vi the, the, the various shots that people are getting now cover that they're, they're you're okay you're not gonna you're not gonna get COVID if you have these vaccinations yeah so that really is the biggest lie of 2021 now ironically enough you can go to the CDC's website and they will let you know that on July 27th that uh the the Delta infection resulted in similarly high loads of the infection in both jabbed and unjabbed people that was their evidence, and that was just based on statistics. But we know now with the uh, with the newest research that we saw from the University of California, UC Davis, that this is absolutely true, that jabbed versus unjabbed people, the viral load is the same. So even if before you could try to find some sort of justification that you were trying to help the population by reducing the spread, all of this is now null and void. It's, it's BS. It's not going to work out. 
They're, they have no leg to stand on whatsoever for this. So it it is really disheartening and disconcerting when you realize that the information is out there. The government actually gave it out. They've said it before, yet they're trying to push this they're trying to push this mandate and the rules are for people that don't have the jab essentially if they want to be able to maintain their jobs without getting the jab is they have to get tested every week and constantly be masked up whereas people that are jabbed don't need to do that but if the jab does not stop the spread of the sickness then what the hell is the point in all of that it would seem that Everything is null and void, so either you go into full lockdown again, which is obviously ridiculous because we can see where the numbers have gone, especially in states like Florida and Texas, where we've been open for more than a year and a half now. We haven't had any sort of restrictions or things like that besides what private business has done. And aren't we one of like the like one of the states that's doing the best in terms yes. of numbers now, right now? Now and we have, uh, we as have a, was it New Hampshire, the state that's extremely well poked? In terms of percentages, yeah, I think they're right like ninety percent. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's close to almost everyone, and they're having um, quite bad numbers in terms of current case caseload. Mm -hmm. So, you know, again, it's up to everybody in terms of what's best for their health. But the fact that you can't even back up, you know, to the point of why you're doing this, it's not being backed up at all by what's going on presently, mm -hmm. and also by the fact that it's a total. You know, if you go back to, um, Rich uh, what was her name, uh, Dr. Rochelle, the, mm -hmm. uh, the head of the CDC, she specifically said back in March that once you get poked, you can't give it to anyone. And it was on CNN, and everybody was yep. like, oh, my God. And everybody's like, yay, let's get poked so we don't have to wear masks anymore. Mm -hmm. And then that's when all the mask, the masking kind of, like, chilled. And that's when everybody's like, oh oh my god and you know i think that encouraged more people to get poked and then fast forward to like october just kidding <laughs> we were wrong and it's so funny if you watch back that clip of her talking in march i mean i get it we it's a new disease that we are learning about but don't act like and she said it she's like all the studies show that it is not, you cannot transmit this illness at all once you're poked. Amazing. Yep. Which, just like, if you don't know, then you don't know. Don't lie about something you think you know. Mm -hmm. And then, what, like six months later? Completely wrong. And the problem is, the damage is already done. Yep. You talk to anyone. And I mean the average Joe, just like I was saying, like, what does Debbie down the street think about all this nonsense that they hear, like, on the Microsoft thing? What does Debbie down the street think about this? Because if you ask Debbie down the street, nine times out of ten, that average human being who does not pay attention, who is not, it, who is not awakened, if you will, will say, well, you should get it to protect me. Or protect those that are vulnerable. No, 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 no. They always say this. <laughs> you should get it so you can protect me. And I, I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. That doesn't, like, follow the science. That doesn't make any sense, sis. Because we've already proved that even if you get the poke, that doesn't stop transmission. And if anything, that makes it actually, <laughs> is Debbie friends with Karen, CG? Uh, I know some good Debs, so we're not going <laughs> to say that. But uh, it's just an average name. Of your average human being, 
uh, in this down the street. <laughs> well, depending on where you are, maybe it's a Maria. I don't know, but it depends where you are. Maybe here it'll be probably even closer to Maria because you know highly uh, <laughs> Hispanic demographic here. But anyway, I digress. So my point is that this girl down the street, this lady down the street, is misinformed. She thinks that someone who does not get poked is putting her life at risk because if you don't get poked you're more likely to give her this illness whereas if you are poked you can't possibly give her this illness so you're protecting her but we've proven that that's wrong Mm -hmm. in fact it's even more scary because if you see someone coughing oh snap that person let me not get close to her but the fact that you can get poked you have the virus oops i said it uh, the bug. <laughs> you have the bug, um, and you may be asymptomatic. And now they have said you can't spread it. So sorry, Deb. Someone getting poked does not protect you. Yeah. Someone getting poked protects them, not you. It only protects. Like, forget about you. This isn't about you. That's why it shouldn't be. A mandate. It mm-hmm. should be a personal choice. Absolutely. Because the only person that this protects, whether you want to believe it or not, that's a totally different story, whether this works or not. Okay, that's that's not the point. The point we're talking about is forcing someone to do it because of this argument that you're saving you're saving Americans because that's what they say. Mm-hmm. You're saving you're irresponsible because you if you don't do this, you're a bad person. You should want to do this because you're a bad person. You're going to kill, you're going to kill Debbie down the street. If you don't get poked, it's going to be your fault. Mm-hmm. Sorry. That's not how it works. Yep. Follow the science. Listen to yourselves. Follow the science, sis. Mic drop. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and you know, uh, uh, Joe's got a Joe's preaching it tonight. But uh, and again, you, I just want to say this has nothing to do with how I feel about the vax, uh, the the thingy, the, yeah. the thingy. Mm-hmm. This has to do with how I feel about the mandate. Okay, again, that's a personal choice. Talk to your physician, um, or your multiple physicians. Think about it. Read the studies, and make your own decision. It shouldn't be something that has to do with you keeping your job. You're being put out on the street. You're being unable to feed your cat because I don't have kids. But (laughs) you know what I'm saying? If I did have kids, wow. You know, that's even, you know, scarier than than not being able to feed my cat. Although I love my cat very much. (laughs) But um, but that's 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 actually pretty like messed up and cruel that you're taking away someone's ability to make a medical decision about their body. I'll put it easy for those out there who maybe they're watching the show because they like us uh, talking about gun contact and then we're like messing up their Saturday night or talking <laughs> about like freedom stuff instead. Great argument that Rolando heard the other day. Because maybe Debbie's not convinced yet, okay? Maybe Deb's not convinced. How do you think? Because Deb's a woman. So let's let's relate to her feminine side, her, her X chromosomes, okay? Deb, how do you feel about if Sally, okay, Sally's your coworker, and Sally's seven months pregnant. No, no, no. Let's make it even scarier. A little bit, a little bit earlier. The baby's still like in development. Maybe like three months pregnant. Mm-hmm. 
Should we force Sally, who's pregnant, in her first trimester to get this poke when we do not know the long-term effects of this poke on an unborn fetus who is still in development? Uh, CJ says, is Debbie hot? You know what? Let's, let's say she is. I'm just going to be nice. I think, I think she's good looking. Mm. I'm, I'm, I have a, I'm pretty tough on women, so let's say she's good looking. Anyway, um, how does she feel about Sally getting this now? Do you still feel the same way? Should it be her choice? Should we put the potential health of this unborn fetus that is still in its first trimester at risk when we haven't seen the long-term studies of this yet? Now, let me remind you the history of this country's decision-making. This is the same country that didn't know Jack Diddley squat about medication, let's say oral contraception. What was that? What, what decade was that? Was that the 80s? Was that the 70s? When was that? I'm, Might I'm have been not like the 70s, history. yeah. That, really, right. that started coming into play. In the lifespan of some of you viewers out there, this happened, this wasn't like back in the 50s. This happened in the non-too-distant future. Like if this was like a Star Wars scroll, what would they say in the non-too-distant uh, past? Mm-hmm. The non-too-distant past, right? This happened in some people's memory. This country decided to play experiment on Puerto Rico's women. And they didn't know what was happening. Mm -hmm. They were given medication to take that they were told was totally safe. Oral contraception. Hey, who who helped lead that, uh, that campaign? Was that Margaret Sanger? Oh, yeah. Wasn't, that, wasn't Margaret Sanger a hero? Didn't Hillary, like, just, like, a couple years ago before everyone started realizing that she was a total, like, C-word that I can't say on this because I still don't want to get kicked off? Genocidal white supremacist. Yeah. That's what she was. But she was a hero. And a eugenicist. A couple years ago, she was like, oh, my God. Margaret Sanger is a hero for women. She should be honored during women's... In fact, I, I distinctly remember in my not too long ago past, seeing her name pop up as someone that should be celebrated during Women's History Month. So F you, Margaret. Um, Anyway, so Margaret decided because she was a racist, genocidal maniac to use Puerto Rico because, you know, the minorities, we don't care about them. It's an island that's over there that people won't pay attention to. We kind of own them, so let's play with them. Like, let's, let's figure this out. So anyway, long story short, Puerto Rican women in this town in this experiment, and they were told this medicine was totally normal, totally fine, this is going to be good for you guys, uh, ended up sterilized permanently. Yeah, that's the history of America. Mm-hmm. So just, just a quick reminder as to why some people may not trust some medical professionals in charge of these things when they say, don't worry everything's going to be fine. Are you sure? Because that's not how medicine works, dude. Like, go read the history of medicine. I took a class in college. I think it was literally called the history of medicine and or the history of pharmaceuticals, right? And I can't tell you how many times we totally thought things were totally cool. Like, we used to spoon feed kids liquid cocaine to help them with their cough. Mm -hmm. Like, true story, bro. Like, we gave kids cocaine. Yep. Uh, cadmium, heavy metals. 
Yep. We used to take x-rays for fun, and then all of a sudden we figured out tumors and radiation. So I want to let you guys know that's how medicine works. It's let's see how it works. Mm-hmm. And true story. Uh, we actually still use a form of that, not liquid cocaine, but um, Hykodan is a wonderful cough suppressant. It's a controlled substance, though. But back then, we were just giving it out like candy. But yeah, let him paint. So a lot of science is experimental. And unfortunately, we learn as we F things up. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, that's just how it is. So I'm sorry if Sally, who's three months pregnant, doesn't want to try out an experiment on her unborn baby. Well, especially if Sally was listening to the, was it the FDA's board when they were trying to decide whether they wanted to approve the jab for five to 11 year olds. And one of the doctors said, well, the only really way that we're really going to know it was very Nancy Pelosi esque. Actually, it was, it was kind of uh, poetic, the symmetry of all of this. Uh, well, we're just going to have to find out. The only way we'll know what the effects are is if we jab a ton of kids and see kind of what happens. Like that's the only way we'll know. You mean like let we go, we have to pass it so we can read it? Yeah, we, we, in order for us to know what's in the bill, we got to pass it. Yeah, uh. so, so I mean, this is what we've got here. And again, this this was a more the Freedom Latinos rant here, but this all has to do together because what is uh, what two other major events occurred this week? We had the Virginia state elections for their uh, their gubernatorial race and a lot of their other seats in the legislature, and we also had the Supreme Court case, uh, finally the uh, New York State uh, Rifle and Pistol Association's case, uh, finally started oral arg- arguments in the Supreme Court. And as a country, we need to start gauging and start realizing what's been going on here for, well, it's been going on for pretty much since the history of this country started. Somebody's been trying to oppress somebody else. But more recently, we've seen that the the, the facade has kind of broken off of what, especially the progressives and those that believe in big government really want. And they've taken advantage wholeheartedly of what happened in the last year, uh, the turmoil after the election, and their essentially control of the media. But I think that we're starting to finally see, as cynical as I've been, is uh, is much more, uh, things are much better than I thought, I should say. So we... We started seeing in Virginia a few weeks ago that the tide tide started turning. I think it really started with, like we mentioned before, what was going on with Loudoun County and the school board there and and the case of of what happened to that child um, that was assaulted in the bathroom and pretty much the aftermath of all that. Uh, I'm not going to reiterate it here, but that pretty much started the domino effect that we, because of the critical theory that was being taught in schools, uh, people started becoming more engaged Uh, And really, that was a result of kids being at home, learning at home, and parents for the first time, whether they wanted to or not, being directly exposed to what their children were being taught and not being happy about it and wanting to have more input. So this led to a lot of concern, especially mothers, and mothers really came out in droves. And once the uh, Yunkin campaign really latched onto that, it created a level of momentum that resulted in the results that resulted in the election on uh, on Tuesday and pretty much the Republicans sweeping every major position in the uh, in the uh, executive branch in Virginia so we had uh, let's go through that first real quick 
So we've got the election results right here. It ended up being pretty close overall. Youngkin won with 50.7% uh, of the vote versus 48.6% with Terry McAuliffe. And uh, Winston Sears, the lieutenant governor, she won uh, with slightly, slightly more, a slightly higher percentage uh, than her opponents. And the Virginia Attorney General uh, also won with about that 1% margin. Now, some of the cool things that happened here and, you know, is that uh, Virginia had its first uh, African-American or, or black female yeah, she's, uh, uh, legislature because she's, she's Jamaican. She's Jamaican, Jamaican yeah. descent. I think her father was uh, an immigrant from Jamaica. Yeah. So, uh, so that was awesome. She is pro-gun. Uh, by all accounts, we had some people message us and say that they've actually shot at the I, range I with her. I also heard somebody say it might just be a photo op. And uh, I just want to say I got two people who messaged me when I posted about her. And they said that they've actually seen her at their range. And just a gentle reminder, she is a Marine vet. So I kind of believe that she might be into guns. Yeah. And, and honestly, her story resonates with a lot of, uh, you know, immigrant stories and uh, immigrant veteran stories. So I think that she's pretty much the real deal. I, I know... Just so many people who joined the military, became citizens of the United States, served uh, honorably, and then went on to do great things in this country and really appreciate the Constitution, the freedoms that they have here. And really, when you are somebody that is willing to go into a country that is not yours and you're not a citizen yet and volunteer to join that country's military and essentially say, I'm willing to die for a country that's not my home country in order to have the opportunity to be there— I think that says a lot about that person really has a passion. They care about America. They have even more stake in the game because they don't have a reason, you know, not like if we're born here, we kind of may, maybe you feel like, you know, Hey, I, I owe my country or I feel like this is an opportunity to serve, but for somebody else to come out of their way and do that, I think that that says a lot about that person. So nothing but respect for, uh, Lieutenant Governor Sears and anybody that's made that choice in the past. And I also really love the fact that she made it about, her family being from Jamaica mm -hmm. because apparently I don't know the, I guess it was some politician from Virginia who had some kind of feelings about her photo, her photo op, uh, her holding the uh, AR 15. And I guess that person said that that photo inspired feelings of militancy and separation, which I don't know why that would inspire feelings of militancy and separation. When I look at that photo of a woman, holding an AR and looking at the camera like she's a total G and very strong stare. I don't feel fear. I feel like, yeah, that woman can protect herself. And that's what she, that's what she was just saying. That's all she was saying. She's into protecting herself. And, you know, if anything, that's a leader. Yep. That's a leader. And I want my leaders to feel and look like her. Yep. So anyway, so this this politician said that it inspired feelings of militancy and separation in her. <sighs> and then um, our, our new lieutenant governor of, of Virginia responded by saying that, quoting that lady, and said, uh, our two-way rights protect us. And as an immigrant from a third world country, I guess she is an immigrant, so not just her dad, I value them. So this actually resonated with me being that my entire family are immigrants um, and coming from, you know, and growing up watching, you know, I, I'm not from Venezuela, but I grew up where Venezuela was the number one most powerful and wealthy country in South America. And we all knew it. I, I grew up watching Venezuelan soap operas, you know, mm -hmm. and watching Venezuelan TV shows because it was one of the biggest, uh, most profitable, like, 
they have, uh, they were like the, the Hollywood of, Colombia and Venezuela were like the Hollywood of South America, right? Mm-hmm. So you got like most of your soap operas come from one of those three countries in Mexico as well. So I went from watching the most wealthy, uh, just put together country that never had any drama to com- go completely just down the toilet in my from my childhood into my teens and then see their rights get s- s- taken away from them. Uh, I mean, just a gentle reminder of when they lost their right to own any guns. I mean, they were always restricted, okay? South America isn't America, isn't, mm-hmm. isn't the U.S. But that was 20, 2012 that Chavez took away the right to bear any arms, restricted or not. Um, and then as a college student, had to see the riot, the, uh, what would you call it? I wouldn't call it riots. I would call it protests and just mm-hmm. people dying. You know, the stories of them having to raise lizards and rabbits to try to feed their population you know, running out of toilet paper, like, we make a joke about it here. Like, oh, my God, like, we're going to run out of toilet paper. They really did. Um, they ran out of everything. And then, again, this was, was the wealthiest country in South America. So I can, I can relate to that because I saw it happen in front of my eyes. I used to watch uh, Telemundo uh, News and Univision as that's what I watched because that's how I grew up. I'm very Hispanic. Like, we had that chancleta. We had... Uh, <laughs> you know, all the traditional tropes. You know, I literally grew up watching Marimar. Like, I watched, my news came from Jorge Ramos. You know what I'm saying? Like, so that's what I watched. You guys watch stuff on, like, TV. I watched how, what, what was happening in Mexico and South America was my news at night. So anyway, I digress. So that's why, even though I'm not Venezuelan, I really feel when, and I can relate to this sentiment of, I know what it's like in other countries, and we don't want that to happen here. So that's why when she brought up the fact that she's an immigrant, I, I felt like that resonated. She said, we need you, Virginia Democrats, to get out of our way so we can live our lives as God intended. Oh, another thing she said. In fact, we don't need the opinion of another liberal elite on how to protect our families. Mic drop. Yep. So. Absolutely. It's not just a photo op. It's an attitude. It's a belief system. This lady understands us. Mm-hmm. And, you know, really, it, it's going to come down to, you know, supporting her uh, and making sure that she lives up to those promises. And so does Governor Yunkin. Uh, Governor Yunkin kind of just came out of nowhere. He was a businessman. And honestly, until I, I heard that until he really saw the traction that the parents and uh, were having against the school board. Uh, he didn't really want to dip his toes into it until he saw he could benefit. So if he's reluctant, you know, Virginians really have to hold him accountable and all their new elected officials, their attorney general too, I believe he was the first uh, Latino yes. uh, elected to uh, a state office in Virginia or at least at that high position. So again, the, the narrative has also been broken here that you can be, that you have to be essentially that if you're a minority and you're not was, a Democrat, uh, it doesn't exist. So hold on. Hassan Mayedes yes. is the first ever Latino elected to be a journey general in Virginia. So congratulations go. to Jason or Hassan, however you want to pronounce your last, uh, your first name, Mayedes. That's pretty. So, cool. so you're telling me that in the state that was the capital of the Confederacy <laughs> during the civil war, uh, the first time that they have, a Latino and a black uh, and a black uh, woman in high office there was with two Republicans. Yes. <laughs> so, I also want to say. I, that I mean, it did. It, it, you know. Um, 
you know, like the narrative has always been like the white supremacy BS when it comes to not supporting. I don't even know what to call it because it's 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 the like whatever the heck Democrats have become now because that's not historically what Democrats have ever been. They're illiberal. I don't even, like yeah, they're illiberal. Go back a few years, like just just go back a little bit, and this is this is not the same belief system or platforms that were being held by this party. So it's just like the fact that, you know, like Tim Poole said to, who was it? He was talking to Charlie, was it? Well, Charlie Kirk. Yeah. Well, yeah. because it, it, well, they were talking about Republicans and how, no, no, no. but, but yeah. Tim's point was to say, dude, I didn't move. Yeah. Cause he was like, Oh, you've become more Republican, more conservative. He's like, nah, dude, I have not moved my stance. I have always believed the same exact things. What changed was everything else around them changed. Like those views shifted. And the Overton window, yeah. Yeah, shifted. so, you know, anyway. Mm-hmm. So I also wanted to say, um, so the, the, the narrative of, you know, the red being uh, white supremacist, just to point out that they also flipped a seat red mm-hmm. in a 73% Hispanic district. So come at me with that white supremacy argument. Mm-hmm. It's not true. Yep. Now, uh, as far as the Republican Party, they can't rest on their laurels because honestly, this was not the Republican Party earning a victory. No. This was the Democrat Party going so far left and so crazy and going for so much power that people woke up and they were like, whoa, what the hell is going on? Like, I'm not going to tolerate this. Like, I'm not going to let them teach my kids that because of, you know, uh, it's one thing to teach American history and the truth of American history, warts and all, which we wholeheartedly believe that. You know, uh, uh, Kevin Dixie is one of our great friends, and, you know, he tells blunt history that people don't like to hear about sometimes. And I think that that should be taught in schools. But there's a difference between teaching those things and, and teaching people, well, if you're a certain race, if you're white, then you're evil or, or anything like that. Like, that's a totally different story here. And when parents uh, started seeing these things, they were obviously upset about it. Even it doesn't matter whether you're, you're white, black, or, or Latino. When you hear that the school is actively encouraging, you know, basically groups of students to be discriminated against or that are bad, what are you going to tell your kid? Like, what if their best friend happens to be you know, a different color. And they're going to be like, can I be friends with this person? So you can see the destruction that this was going to cause. And I know a lot of people like to say, well, CRT isn't all that. Like I said, there's a delineation between teaching history and not, and not, you know, hiding history. Totally fine with that. I think it's necessary. I think it actually proves the point of pushing towards freedom in the constitution. When you just look in the past and you say, well, in the past, a lot of people did not have constitutional rights that they were owed uh, and that they were endowed on by their creator. Now we do. So why would we try to remove, why would we move in a reverse direction? So you're basically telling us, everybody, and this has to do with gun control too, I would say. Uh, and this is the argument that I would use against gun control. So you're telling people that have not had full constitutional rights for really more than 50 years in many cases, if we're being perfectly honest after the Civil Rights Act, that now you want to impose more restrictions or t- and turn back the clock? Like, you know, when, when other people had these rights for 200 years, 
the uh, uh, other Americans have been fighting to get these rights for 150 years. Now you're saying, well, that's no good. Now we're going to start reverting back into that. Even if you're not the ones that are now going to be oppressed, we're going to revert back to a darker time by moving this way. That's just asinine stupid. Nobody wants to see that. Um, you never forget history. You don't allow it to be, repeat itself. But you, again, you don't allow it to repeat itself. That's the whole point here. So people saw that they became concerned and obviously a lot of other things like with the bathroom issues and, and, and all that, that was another can of worms and safety of especially, you know, young girls and boys in bathrooms. Uh, and that really just took the cake there and I think took it over the top and Republicans now need to be engaged. Now as, as voters, people who are conservatives or libertarians for too long, people have been disengaged because just because we believe in small government Guess what? If we're not actively participating to reduce the size of the government or have some control over that, it's never going to happen. Being ostriches and hiding our heads in the sand has done nothing for us but allowed the federal government to consolidate more and more centralized power over the decades because we're all about, well, we're all about individual rights. I'm not going to work for the government. I don't believe in that crap. I, I don't want to expand the government. Well, okay, then the people that do believe in expanding government are definitely going to jump into those rules. They're going to jump into the education system. They're going to jump into entertainment. They're going to jump into, into government. And so, yeah, you may be sitting there making millions of dollars in your business, but you don't actually have real power. So in, in that sense, or the same power that these people do because they've embedded themselves in culture, education, and in the government. So they can pass laws, they can influence people, and they teach your kids uh, whatever they want. So if you choose to disengage from that, I mean, what this is what you expect. So Virginians can't rest on their laurels. Other Americans need to do their, uh, their duty to at least be engaged. I know there are a lot of libertarians out there that don't believe in voting. I know there's a lot of people that after 2020... They've lost a lot of faith in the system. The one thing that you can't do is be disengaged. So you can give me all the excuses in the world that you want to vote, but if you're not showing up at that city council meeting, whether you believe that that government council should exist or not, doesn't matter. They do, and they have an influence over you. So you need to get your butts over there and let your voices be heard. Because if at least enough people are there, you may not need to vote later on because they will know that you guys will be there every time to hold their feet to the fire and you will not let this garbage pass. So you cannot be quiet. You cannot just show up on election day. You have to show up all the time. It has taken progressives nearly 60, well, actually since the time of Woodrow Wilson to slowly convert this country from a constitutional republic to some sort of weird crony oligarchy socialist um, uh, neo, neo-socialist country that we're in right now where we have corporations and the government colluding with one another. You have the education system running amok and now you have the federal government learning, hey, we can't violate the Constitution, but private corporations, we've outsourced so many goods and services to corporations that essentially, if they deny things, hey, it's essentially like taking away your freedom of speech, whether it's the social media networks, whether it's the banks that can restrict you from buying guns or anything like that or financing gun shops. These are all things that the government is colluding with other corporations, and we need to let our voices be known. If that means boycotting products, uh, calling companies, letting them know, obviously calling your politicians, showing up, having your face there, and being a pain in the ass. 
That is what you must be because that is what the left has always done. And the left has gotten to the point where they essentially can go and hire a bunch of black block thugs to go around and burn things down. And they can get away with it because, again, they've invested in district attorneys and local city governments to gain that power. We have taken our hands off the wheel. We have to become engaged. Just a reminder that um, in Florida, we have rhinos Mm -hmm. that we've talked about in the past and that they voted for like um, Maria Salazar down here in South, uh, South Florida that they voted um, on the national level in the house for gun control multiple times actually. And when we talked about this with our local GOA rep, he said, I don't know who, who specifically, which representative he was talking to, but basically he said when he talked to the rep and it was like, Hey, what the heck? And he's like, honestly, dude, I represent the people and nobody has ever said anything to me about this. I haven't gotten anybody calling or writing to me and telling me how important their two way rights are. So clearly the constituents do not care. Mm-hmm. Yep. So that made me realize, well, not just then, but yeah, that this is a real problem. The fact that, you know, they're not hearing how important this is and I'm bringing it back to, to, to the second amendment, but that shows how important it is because I don't know if you guys have realized how active uh, mom's demand action is. They're scary active and they're even active. Um, I saw on the mom's demand Twitter of like a, a week or so ago that they're even active against stuff that's like not even gun related. They have a political agenda. They were really supporting the build back better bill. I don't know. Is there anything about guns in the build back better bill? Cause uh, Shannon's Shannon's uh, team was all about, they actually had a form on their Twitter pre-made to have their people, their little Stacy's down the street. Now I'm switching from, I'm picking on a Stacy now. Sorry if you know Stacy or you are Stacy. I'm not picking on you, but Stacy down the street who follows uh, mom's demand. Cause she's got a 14 year old kid in, in high school and she's really stressed out about, you know, something bad happening in high school, like some crazy kid coming. So she's like, Oh, you made this little form for me. I'm, I'm worried about my son and he's 14 and in high school. So I don't want, you know, Parkland to ever happen to him. So I don't know anything about this build back better bill, but if you tell me mom's demand that I need to send this pre-made form to my Senator and my Republican, uh, that's my Republican, my representative, uh, I'll do it because I want to protect, you know, um, Sam, my 14 year old son. So please be aware of how incredibly active mom's demand is. Like they have, a scary, huge movement because they have emotion built in, okay? There is no one more powerful than women with emotion. And that's why it's so important to get women with emotion, hello, uh, to be involved. And you also, even if you're not a woman, you need to get involved. And that can be as easy as just like, like Stacy is doing, getting on the internets and sending an email to her representative and saying, Hey, representative who represents me, the constituent, I just want to let you know what I care about. I'm in your district and I know that there's this bill that's coming up and I really want to let you know that I carry a gun because I'm five foot two and 120 pounds and I live in not such a great neighborhood. And there was a mugging the other day. And I want you to let you know that if you pass this bill, 
that affects me directly. I'm, I'm a little bit concerned about my ability to defend myself. So please be aware that this is important to me, your constituent. I'm not saying you have to write something full of legalese, but let them know you care because there is, if you're not caring, guess what? The other side does care a lot and we're not going to be all that successful if we don't care. And I just want to go to the chat for a second, if you don't mind. Of course. So scrolling back a little further back when I was talking about Venezuela and all that stuff, I have uh, Alicia in the chat saying, definitely not all Americans, however. Oh, wait, a little bit farther back. Oh, there we go. Sometimes I feel natural born Americans have been sheltered so much that they've lost touch with why their freedoms are so important in the first place. I would even say not even natural born Americans. We saw that when we went to Texas to speak at USCCA, that even people in Texas weren't paying attention to what their Republican representatives were doing. So I feel I that say comfortable. Yeah, I feel that a lot of people, yes, complacency is a problem. So I feel that even in the last two years since the pandemic began, a lot of us in red states or states that were free, we talked a big game about like, oh, you know, people in these blue states need to stand up and to all these restrictions. Meanwhile, we did have minor lockdowns in both Florida and Texas. Uh, less in Florida, actually more in Texas. And people didn't necessarily go crazy about it like they said they would. Now, obviously, you can't compare what we went through in Florida and Texas to what happened in like New York or California and is still going on there. But again, they were complacent because in our states, things were pretty good. We went back to normal relatively quickly. So we were like, man, forget those people in those other states. Like, we're good here. Like, we're good. And people in Texas are like, we just passed constitutional carry, man. I'm like, yeah, and a few of your Republican representatives voted for those red flag laws in the military spending bill and the Defense Authorization Act. So, you know, what? You, you have to pay attention. You have to always stay engaged. And you can't assume that just because the party that supports you, you know, I guess most of the time, on issues is always going to support you because as we saw in Florida, the opposite happened. Republicans betrayed us here and they had no problem doing so. And even then, as awesome as our governor is right now, he's done nothing for the second amendment since he's been in office. He hasn't changed anything. It's been the same since it was after Parkland. So continuing on with the chat, uh, CG in the chat have retaliated to Alicia saying my parents came here for better lives and I'm grateful for their sacrifice. Um, Tony in the chat says equality is a racist Republican party strategy. Republicans are using racial inclusiveness to grow the white supremacy movement. Crafty <laughs> bastards. Absolutely. Uh, a mandatory carry longtime friend of the chat of the podcast says unrelated pickup in Al P Trek Alp Trek. I can't pronounce it. Alp Trek. That's probably it. Adventure blanket more to follow. Um, Sure. Let <laughs> I me mean, know what's up with that. Uh, all Americans, however, oftentimes those who have never experienced it have been affected by struggling. No reference point to why freedoms are essential. Yeah, I understand, Alicia. Uh, you know, I think that's why you have people like Hank Strange, who brings up the fact that he's an immigrant a lot, um, because we can compare what we have. Like, we're more, I don't want to say natural born Americans don't get it, but like, we, in our, you know, like we grew up, like even if, like I grew up here, but I got to hear how horrible uh, and poor and, and just the struggle and, and, you know, not having food to eat and all that mm -hmm. um, 
my parents had, well, not my dad so much, but my mom definitely went through a horrible life before coming to America. And, you know, I'm so appreciative. You know, I still remember the day that she went to get her, you know, like, I, I remember like for when she finally became a citizen, we made jokes about her being having blonde hair and blue eyes. And, <laughs> you know, like I remember crying about how, how proud I was of her. And, you know, like I'm originally a New Yorker and, you know, I always was a patriot because of, of how I felt from, you know, like hearing about my parents' lives before coming to America and how much I loved the fact that, you know, my, my parents came from nothing, like literally nothing. She, my mom came here with nothing except the clothes on her back. Um, and she's made a wonderful life and all her kids are professionals and we have wonderful lives and I don't have kids, but my siblings all have wonderful kids and those kids are going to have wonderful lives. And that's, you know, because this country is so amazing and we have the rights and women aren't second class citizens like they are in some places. And, you know, I, I just, you know, I have this great love for this country. And then after 9-11, you know, like that inspired even more um, unity and, and, and love for America. So, yeah, totally get it. But I can also say that there's plenty of people who just love this country because that's how they were raised. Uh, and I think you can find... Um I think if you, it's, it, it can happen with anybody with experiences. If you're sheltered, if you don't go through bad things, you don't necessarily feel things. And I think on the, the problem with a lot of Gen Zers yeah, that are like, and they uh, don't get on, they don't, you know, the Greta's of the world. <laughs> and then you're there's. ruining my childhood. Go experience real trauma and real tragedy or real conflict, Greta. Mm -hmm. yep. Then you can go cry about that. Well, and I think, you know, and, and we take for granted people here that suffer too uh, and, and the struggles that they've gone through. And sometimes, you know, people go in the opposite direction. They think that because their experiences were bad, then that's, that sullies everything and that everything about uh, a country or a place is bad. And so you, you have to have that, that balance, really. But, uh, you know, people can't take it for granted, uh, the opportunities that we have here still. And that's why we fight so vehemently now, uh, people that believe in freedom, that really believe in in, uh, in the rights that we have here, they're so passionate and vehement about it because we, we can't take them for granted. We know uh, just how fragile it is and how quickly it can be taken away. Friend of the chat, friend, like, I don't know why I keep seeing chat, friend of the <laughs> podcast, Mandatory Carry, uh, says, I get emails from moms demand blood money literally every single day. Yeah, they're probably uh, more in insistent than um, Tim Schmidt when you don't, you haven't bought a USCCA uh, membership yet. I don't know if anyone's ever gotten on the mailing list and they haven't become USCCA, but you'll get a, literally an email from them like every day. That's true. Um, so I'm pretty sure uh, Mom's demands is, is just as probably worse. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, I wanted to bring up something real quick. I can't really play this because it's on CBS. I'll start just a little bit of an intro, but. Uh, Kevin Dixie actually shot us a text message the other day and he told us to check out this pretty cool video. It was actually made by CBS News, surprisingly, and it's called The New Pro-Gun Generation. Uh, and it's really, uh, it's about 23 minutes and it is focusing on, well, here, I'll read the description. So they, I'll let them speak for themselves. 
Portrayals of Second Amendment ad- activists, oh, let me screen share this, as mostly white males openly carrying assault weapons is changing. A new episode of CBSN Originals Reverb series investigates how gun owners are growing more diverse as increasing numbers of black, Latino, and other underrepresented Americans arm up out of fear of their safety. So. protesters to go out they say hands up don't shoot right when we go out we're armed you know what the police say they look at us and they say it's not worth it one of the pandemic's enduring legacies will be more americans with guns we have seen a dramatic rise in the number of groups that support gun rights for lgbtq people for people of color the events of 2020 highlighted the growing complexity of gun rights and mixed attitudes on the second amendment with the chaos of the election, people were getting emboldened and stuff, so it was something that I felt needed to do for my family and the future of our baby. Our biggest supporters have actually been leftists, have been socialists, progressives. You sort of have to have a distrust of authority. You know, the police and the government aren't taking care of me, so I have to, you know, do things on my own. So, yeah, I encourage everyone to watch that. I'll drop the link in. It, it's an interesting perspective. Obviously, you kind of know where we lean on the spectrum of, of kind of freedom and I guess more of the libertarian side. So this is definitely, it has more of a left-wing feel of it, but when you think about where a lot of new gun owners are coming from and their backgrounds, that's not surprising. So I, I watched it and I was encouraged to see a lot of the you know new gun owners there. I was a little bit saddened to hear some of the motivations and the fear that Essentially, they're afraid of the existing gun community, and that's why a lot of people, the demonization of the existing gun community has almost resulted in a lot of these people purchasing guns. So, uh, I mean, I know Kevin sent this to us to check it out, and, and uh, you know, there, there's a lesbian Latina couple there. Uh, there is the head of the Latin, uh, Latin American Rifle Association, the Latino Rifle Association there. Are you um, sure it's the Latino? They're like that's the one that has the two, the black symbol with the two ARs. Uh, Alicia, if you're still in the chat, she actually reached out to them, and they were not really inviting. Yeah, so I I saw that, and you know I hear more kind of left wing influence there, but at the same time, I think that the fact that so many of these people have gone accepted gun ownership in the Second Amendment means that they have already broken through one barrier. So the fact that they have a lot of fears and concerns over, let's say, like white supremacists or domestic terrorism as their motivation, I think it's an opportunity to try to bring them in and show them, okay, you you are exercising your Second Amendment rights. That's awesome. But you have a stereotype of the greater gun-owning community in the United States that's not really true and that's been portrayed. And you are already yourself evidence of that. So... I'd like to bring you in and show you all of our friends who are basically every race, color, and creed and show you that, yes, just like everything else, there are going to be those loser a-holes in every club. That's just the way that it is. But for the most part, especially us, as you know, since we've gone into this, you know, people have been very encouraging. It's been very positive. People have been very open, uh, happy to teach us. So we need to break through those barriers. And as... Uh, I guess the more libertarian, conservative, gun-owning community. We need to 
you're always going to be a little bit skeptical because I understand you have people that are, you know, maybe more left wing. You're afraid they're going to bring certain ideas uh, into the mix. But if you're, if your faith and your strength and your own ideas is strong, you shouldn't be afraid of that. And you can use the opportunity of gun ownership. Hey, why are you afraid? Is it because you feel that the government cannot protect you and the police cannot protect you? Well, you're more pro freedom because you have taken the initiative and the personal responsibility to take your life into your own hands. And that is a tradition that, you know, goes back, you know, more than 200 years in this country. So now you're exercising that. But rather than using the motivation of division and fear, which is what drove you to purchase a gun, let's look for how we can unify one another and make this really more about empowerment, education, and enlightenment and remove that fear and that stigma out of there. So good that you got you you got into the door, you made the decision, you've embraced your rights. Now let's show you that some of the people that you were originally afraid of actually have some of the same motivations that you do. They want to protect their family. Uh, they care about themselves. They love their lives. They have the same motivations and concerns, but you think that they're on the opposite side and that they're almost an adversary and you need to counter them with your own firearms. That's not the case. Uh, we need to look past that division and really, as a minority gun owner, it needs to just be emphasized. I think the easiest thing to say, and I kind of said this before, and it's piggybacking off of something that I, I heard Kevin Dixie say, is you have certain, you have groups of minorities in this country that for almost 150 years of this country's history did not have the rights that American citizens deserve and are owed in this country. So now after only having those rights for 50 years, another half of the same citizens want the very government that created that oppression and enforced the unconstitutional gun control for decades, for more than a century in this country. You want that same government to now strip those rights away from people again. It doesn't make any sense. And when you articulated that way most people will be like wow geez because you know how it is right now especially on the left if you do anything you know uh, that's against a minority they go crazy you know and they they feel terrible about it they feel this guilt so it's like so you're telling me that you that people restricted our rights for you know more than 150 years in this case depending on you know uh, what your family's origins are and now you want to take away my rights again like that's that's kind of bs man like that sounds pretty racist to me i don't know about you uh so and, and then you're telling me that i can't protect myself you're telling me that uh on the one hand we've got to get rid of the police okay that's fine but then you're telling me that i need to give up my weapons too and it's for my own protection so I don't understand. So I'm I, on the one hand, I don't, I'm supposed to not trust the government because I'm not supposed to trust the police and they're bad and they enforce laws that are unfair or unconstitutional. But now you want me to also believe that the government, I'm going to be okay by removing those government authorities, removing my firearms. And now everything's just going to be fine. Like that, that, that really makes a lot of sense. I don't know. I don't know. But anyway, I encourage everyone to check it out. Uh, try to get past the fact, some of the motivations that people may have and some of their political differences and just understand where they came from. And, uh, and you know, check it out. 
So for some clarity, it is the Latino Rifle Association. Yes. Uh, not to be confused with the, what was the one that's uh, by that's John like Rowlands? That's, um, my God, the one that you get a free uh, membership to the Mustang. The, the four yeah, the Mustang, Mustang Club, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, which I think is kind of cool because we like Mustangs. Uh, shoot, what's it? it's, it's, it's not to be confused. There's two different ones. Um, the Latino Rifle Association, if you look them up, they have uh, a black and white symbol with like two skulls, sugar skulls, which I think is pretty cool. And I'm really bad at seeing what this is. It's a, uh, oh, it's um, it's one, it looks like an, it's an AK. AK and some kind of um, tribe, like native, uh, native. It Hispanic. almost looks like one of the, um, like the be- the bats that the Aztecs used to have. Yeah. Like one of their, uh, their yeah, and clubs. And they do have a, lo- a website. Uh, Lisa says she's reached out to them. I haven't reached out to them yet. Um, but they do seem to be active in August, possibly active. In August, they had a range day for their chapter in California, Los Angeles. And then they have some pictures of their California compliant uh, weapons. And although I see some extended mags there, so yeah, I don't know what's up with that. Well, and I think uh, and another thing. They had one in, in Texas as well. Yeah, their, their founder, he's he's 23 years old, and he's going to law school at UC Berkeley. So, I mean, that kind of says a lot of the political motivations there. But Oh, sorry. So, G. Webb is in the chat, clarified. As well as uh, Alicia, Hispanic. Hispanic American Hispanic American Rifle Association. So there's two different ones. Yep, there you go. Um, so I know she, she reached out to both of them, and I think the issues is, uh, I mean I don't know Johnny, but it seems like. Well, I know. It's hard. <coughs> I mean, it's like it's hard to go ahead. I'm like I keep interrupting you. Go ahead. No, I I know that in the documentary, the head of the um, Latino Rifle Association. Kind of talked about how, he, he, in his words, the the existing American gun community is very toxic to Latinos, and I was like, really, I don't have that experience, but you know that it, it kind of makes me sad to hear that. Um, Maybe they now, have experienced it because it's kind of like I, I believe it. Now, I also think that if you come into the American gun community and you say that you're like a socialist, people are not going to be very receptive to it. So I think you're always going to run into an issue with. If you're a far leftist, uh, you're you're gonna have problems because unfortunately, I don't know of any circumstance in history where leftism doesn't lead to authoritarianism. So I kind of looked at leftists that even that left wing anarchists. I think that they're naive. I don't think that that actually works, unless you believe in like hippie uh, living in a hippie commune with like a hundred people and not imposing that on anybody else. I don't really think that that works. I, there's just no example in history where left-wing anarchy actually is a viable thing. It just does, doesn't really happen unless you got your like own commune somewhere. But, uh, but you know, that's, that's, that, that's my one concern there, but we can't let that block. And we also almost need to show that unlike them, if they're being so exclusive, we, we're not that way. You know, we're much more welcoming and despite how they feel, I believe that, you know, they still have the Second Amendment right. They can do that. Um, and But I think it's also important to see. I would rather my government not have power. See, I, I almost feel like the left-wing anarchist approach to guns sometimes is we have the guns so that we battle it out constantly with the government and we will go on the offensive. And I don't think, I think it should be a deterrent, but at the same time, it's almost like, yeah, like you you know what's going to happen. That's not necessarily a good approach. I'd rather the government just be like, we never even have the power to even mess with you. 
Um, but, you know, anyway, that's neither here nor there. I recommend to watch it. It's actually a well-made documentary. I think it's fair because the the document the host of the document um the host of the documentary um he doesn't get political really at all and they don't really try to make any spin on it it's the people that are interviewing that have their own opinions but they're all people that have become gun owners and they have their own experiences so you can't really get angry about people expressing their opinions there so i think for something that cbs produced it's actually pretty good so check it out see what you think um i i think i might be interested in trying to reach out to some of the people there just to see how it is um, and try to show them the kind of the greater gun community. I think if they went to an event like uh, Kevin Dixie's train and learn event, it might change their perspective on things a lot. Uh, and you know, the, the one couple that was there, I think meeting people like uh, Chris Chang and, uh, and you know, um, uh, pink pistols and blazing swords would probably uh, change their perspective on, you know, the greater gun community and, and all that. We're not perfect. Nobody is. But, you know, it's been, I think it's been pretty awesome, the experiences I've had since we've gotten into this. Yep. Mm -hmm. uh, Sports Brand says, my fave Latino gun group is Omega 7. Uh, I love all those guys are pretty cool. I've never heard of them, but then again, I live under a rock. So I'd like to meet uh, a gun organization, although I'll be honest, I'm such an introvert. I, mm -hmm. <laughs> I'd like to believe that I would be like, yeah, let's go. Like, cause I know down here in South Florida, we have the South Florida. Oh, I forgot what it's called, but there's a, um, group that actually gets together quite frequently, um, for the black community and, and they get together and shoot and do events. Yeah. Naga, the local Naga chapter. It's not a local. Too. They have their own thing. Oh it's yeah. Like the South Florida, mm -hmm. uh, black American gun club or something like that. Um, I'll ask, I'll ask our, one of our local friends because mm -hmm. I know that one of them at least is, is a member of, of, the, of the local chapter, but uh, they actually are active. So I'd like to believe that I would get together and go to shooting, but let's be realistic. I'm, I'm not, you know, if you've ever followed any of the meme pages for like introverts, it's like when your friends call to cancel, you're like, Oh, I'm so sad. Meanwhile, you're relieved because you're an introvert. <laughs> like that's me. Um, I would probably force myself to do it because it's good for the community to get together and make those connections and, and share your experiences. Because I think like we're talking about what, um, LA, L, what is it? The life Latino, uh, rifles L L R O, uh, his, the founder of LRO is LRA. LRA. It's not organization. It's association. Association. Whatever. All right. LRA. Um, I'm also really bad with acronyms and abbreviations. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, we have a completely different experience, so we, it's good to share your sh your lived experiences and, as some people would say, your truths. Oh gosh, uh, yeah, but what's that? Oh gosh, that word. <laughs> I mean, it. I mean, it's not not fake thing. It's just like, for instance, even Rolando and I have had completely different experiences growing well, up. I think saying your truth, your truth is it. it your lived experience is better than your like your truth because like, truth almost implies like there's I, no other. I did go fact. and experience racism growing up. Mm -hmm. Rolando did not. So it's just everyone's experience might be different based on where they grew up and, and what they experienced or who they were around. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, it definitely shapes who you are. So maybe, you know, I would be interesting to have at least conversations with someone like the founder of LRA and see where they come from mentally. And then, you know, let them know what, how we feel about stuff and it, I don't know. I just feel like it'd be a good thing all overall. Mm -hmm. So 
Yeah, and I'm I think totally t- open to even though I'm an introvert, I'm totally open to joining some clubs. Yeah. And getting more friends, like minded friends. Mm-hmm. And no, some non like minded friends, I guess. Black uh, Arms Gun Club South Florida. Yes, yes. that's it. Thank uh-huh. you. I'm like I said, I'm like really, really, really bad with um I've got too much going on in my brain. So I'm really bad with acronyms and names. Oh, sports brand. I was joking. They're super hardcore anti-Castro. I'm probably on the list now. LOL. Oh, okay. <laughs> Never mind then. <laughs> My bad. I'm also extremely gullible. So, <laughs> so um, I wanted to talk a little bit about our fearless leader in Florida. Go for it. DeSantis, since we started the show all over uh, the jabby jabs. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we talked about... The uh, the Fed courts, you know, blocking all that stuff. Um, just wanted to say, I know he hasn't done too much for the 2A. And I have some kind of mixed feelings about him. I feel like he's a Trump junior or, like, on the Trump team or trying to emulate Trump with his accordion hands. <laughs> and if you haven't seen it, like, ever since, like, he never did this before. And then if you haven't seen the, the meme video of... Someone putting an accordion in Trump's hands while he's doing this. It's like the funniest thing ever. And you should look it up. What is it called? Like accordion Trump? Like- I'll just, I'll play it really quick. Just a little clip. Cause it's yeah. So I have mixed feelings about him. I know everybody like really loves him, but that's why I have like mixed feelings. Cause I think that, um, we don't deserve to be called the gunshine oh, state because we haven't done Jack Daly squad. Are you going to play it? Yeah, well, I'll play like a, a little bit of it. This is made my. I I love this so much. Whoever did this deserves like some award for being awesome at being on the internet. I have something that others don't have. I don't like the way that looks, but I would be able to do that if I wanted to. I'd be the only one that would be able to do that if we wanted to. Once you see it, you can never unsee it. Now you will always imagine an accordion in his hands. We are going to build the wall. And people would go crazy. I don't blame them it's quite for what's happening. <laughs> oh, it's pretty hilarious. So, yeah. So, Mr. DeSantis has adopted uh, accordion hands. And like I said, he's not really pro to... I mean, I don't know where he stands on that, too, because he's never freaking addressed it. And then Rolando's got a good theory as to why he's, no one's ever addressed it in Florida and why every single politician is soft on to like on the second amendment in florida and that's the the reason is money and tourism and disney so i think that's a valid argument or a valid theory because it just makes no other sense how could how could we have all these super republicans in florida and then no one ever talks about gun stuff so uh, i'm gonna go ahead and agree and blame uh the mouse and say uh, uh you know florida just loves the money too much and they're a little scared that they were gonna freak out all the international tourists if we're walking around uh, open carrying uh, while we're on Space Mountain. Although, honestly, I would not open carry on Space Mountain or any ride, you know, um, because of retention. And I would have to make sure that my, I would have to have one of those strappy things on the, on, on my pistol. <laughs> <laughs> because my, I actually, what ride were we on? Was someone with the mountain and, and, and the Yeti, uh, uh, that's, uh, Expedition Everest. Yes. So, um, this was years ago when I was still a college student. I went, I used to go to Disney like every year, every freaking year for a little while. My family was obsessed with Disney for like a, like a minute. And then we like stopped out of nowhere, but like every year, during prices the, are so ridiculous now during the biggest, like the most busiest time of the year, we would always go. So it was like 
horrible. Like I remember actually like a visceral remember like memory of me waiting for two and a half hours to get on that freaking soaring ride. But it did smell like or like orange or uh orange blossoms, yeah. Yeah, when when we went through the the orange trees on that ride. Anyway, I digress. So uh, my brother had we were on Expedition Everest and back then you could still bring things with you on um, you have things in your pockets. You can still have things in your pockets and carry stuff before somebody lost their eye at Universal Studios because of Dueling Dragons. Like rest in peace, Dueling Dragons. Rest in peace, Dueling Dragons. Someone actually lost their eye. Like, true story. I think it was a Puerto Rican man, actually. Of course. <laughs> poor <laughs> anyway, guy. Poor guy. He really did. It's like a coin flew out of someone's pocket. Just his luck. On Dueling Dragons, flew through the air, cut through uh, Hogwarts Village, and hit him in the eye. And he was waiting online at like Ollivander's. Like that's what the story that I read. So after that, pretty much like every roller coaster now, like doesn't let you like come on with um anything. But back in the day, true story, they let you on roller coasters with like pretty much anything in your pockets. Mm -hmm. And I used to be a fanny pack wearer because any true like roller coaster aficionado. Or like person who goes to po uh, parks knows the best way to get your stuff secure on a new roller coaster ride is to wear a fanny pack. Okay, I don't care what you think about them. Fashion wise, they are the shiznit for keeping your stuff on your body, not losing it. Okay, and I still use my fan, my sports fanny cap packs all the time. Are you serious? <laughs> fanny packs. Are the best. As a uh, child of the 80s, I love them. I still have. I have several. Anyway. No, they're fantastic. Don't don't hate CG. Uh, CG. They don't hate. They're awesome. So anyway, so I'm wearing my fanny pack on Mount Everest. And my brother has his Nokia Nokia uh, brick phone, I think it was. And I think it was a Nokia. 8510s or whatever. Yeah, I think it was a Nokia. And how we all thought they were indestructible back in the day. Um, well, he had it in his, he was wearing basketball shorts. And I actually remember saying, do you want to put that in my fanny pack? Because I'm pretty sure you're going to lose it. And he's like, nah, it's, it's, it's Disney. We don't, they're not real, you know, like hardcore, <laughs> hardcore roller coasters here. I'm not worried. It's in my pocket. We're good. Right. So I was like, okay, whatever, dude. So we get on Everest and when he gets off the ride, guess what he lost? He lost his phone. It went flying out of his pocket and it went into, it hit the wall inside of Mount Everest. And thankfully, one thing I will say about Disney is that they are total G's when it comes to customer service. Um, they actually mailed him his phone. However, despite what you want to say about how indestructible Nokia's were back in the day, it was broken and it was very sad for him. But my point to all this ridiculous story uh, that I'm going on is one of the reasons we don't open carry in Florida is Disney. And one of the reasons I can think of is we're going to lose our, our peace when we're on Mount Everest ride. And that's why you need a little retention strap. But besides that, I'm pretty sure we don't want to scare the tourists uh, and watch, have all these Western, Western, Western like folk walking around. That's, that's gotta be their motivation behind it. So that was a really long tangent. And I swear I didn't even have caffeine before the show. I know. I know. She was like, oh, I man, was actually in a crappy, like, I was in a She had a headache. Mood. Yeah. I didn't even take that Advil I said I was going to take. It just, like, I don't know what happened. It just got better. Because mm -hmm. I'm so happy to be here with you guys. 
Anyway. Yeah, Sport Brain calls them tactical hip carriers, a.k.a. THC. He loves his THC. I love my fanny pack. <laughs> no, no, but he loves his THC. Oh, I see what <laughs> you did there. I see what you did there. Uh, now that you people said it out loud, California will ban roller coasters too. Damn you all. I'm sorry. Right when Magic Mountain took the record for most roller coasters in the country too. They're about to break it again. They're going to beat Cedar Point. Anyway, I digress. So I was talking before I went on this crazy freaking tangent about um, Disney and my brother's phone back in like the 2000s. Uh, I was talking about DeSantis and I have mixed feelings about him being awesome. But I mean, he also has been awesome about what's going on. Like there's no mandate here in Florida and they're of any kind. In fact, you will be your business will be punished if they uh, have yes. a mandate. So we have two things going for us. He actually passed some, uh, I don't know, a law mandate, whatever you want to call it. That basically, if a business tries to follow the rules, like Joe's rule, then he's like he's gonna slap you. Wha-pa, he's gonna slap you with the Florida rule that says if you do that, you're gonna get counter counter fined. And he actually made the fine pretty substantial. So, um, Florida businesses are going to be between a rock and a hard place. The rock is Joe. The hard place is Ron. And I don't know what the heck they're going to do. Um, (laughs) if they decide and I'm like, I feel bad. I mean, if I I were, if I were Biden, if I were Biden, I might be so scared that I would poop in my pants. I think he did that already. Though. <laughs> that's that's last week's story, dude. That's last week. That's the Pope had to deal with that. <laughs> I won't go there. Supposedly, allegedly, this elder is a elder abuse, elder abuse. This is, yeah, don't make fun of like this is um ageist. Okay, this is yep. an ageist conversation. I don't I don't like this a lot. There's a cat there for anybody that can see in the corner. There's a cat. There. Right oh, there. there is a cat. There's a cat there underneath Rolando's armpit. Mm-hmm. There she is. <laughs> um, so anyway, I digress. So not only do we have this, uh, he's been pretty, what's it called? Freedom oriented when it comes to all things, all things, uh, pokey poke and sicky sick, but he's also kind of retaliated Joe's, Joe's rule with his own, with Ron's rule. And, um, on top of that, did I send you this? I think I sent you this in your, if you check your signal, uh, let me uh see. Florida governor, DeSantis sues Biden. This happened on November 4th. So it's the t- same day that... Um, shoot it, uh, shoot I did. It. I just shot it to you. There's two. Uh, right there. Oh, okay. Okay. Oh. Use it there. So, um, oh, that's not it. That's the, that's, that's not it. That's the, that's the second thing I'm going to talk about. There you go. Florida Governor DeSantis sues Biden over pokey poke uh, for businesses. So we have the man, the myth, the legend, Ron, suing... The administration, so uh, working on behalf of the people and trying to make sure that Floridians not only do our businesses being, he's going at it twofold. He's got a two prong apo- approach to this. He's um, Pika Pika. CG, CG's over here making uh, Pokemon references. <laughs> <clears throat> By the way, um, did you order my new Pokemon game yet? Yes, did I did. Did you get Pearl or Diamond? I got you Diamond. I, all right, I like that. Brilliant Diamond, yeah. <laughs> so if anyone's out there um, into the Pokemon, I'm going to be, I guess that comes out next week. Uh, the 19th. The 19th. So yeah, uh, I got it for my Switch and that's going to be my go-to uh, game on the road because you know, I'll know I travel so much. So I've kind of like hit a, 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 a wall with things that I like to play on there because like, my number one game on the Switch was uh, 
Skyrim mm -hmm. and I'm stuck. I can't find my way out of this, this one, uh, Falmar place. So I, I can't, I get frustrated. Like I play for like 20 minutes. I can't find my way out and I get pissed and then I stop playing. So eventually I'll get my out of there and, um, hopefully get finished the game after like 5,000 hours. I finally get out of this place that I can't even see out of cause it's so dark. Anyway, Rolanda's over here. I, I now I when Joe speaks now I illustrate her story so that you guys know what she's talking about. Skyrim: The Elder Scrolls Five, best game ever. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> but yeah, more than Fallout Four. Which one do you like more? I played you? Skyrim longer. Yeah, I think you have. Uh, Fallout might be pretty close for, to you. Yeah, you know though. what the difference is? I have I have chronic insomnia, like super bad. Because you mm -hmm. can tell on today's episode, I am. High key ADHD. Like, it's, I think you guys can tell, right? High key ADHD. And I think that lends to my chronic insomnia. And the reason I play so much Skyrim is because that's my go to for trying to make myself fall asleep. So I've got built up like a disgusting number of hours playing that. Anyway, I don't have Fallout on my Switch. I know. And I don't want to because that's just going to open another can of worms. Okay. So anyway. She hasn't even played Zelda yet. Um, I feel like I'm not going to like Zelda. <laughs> there is no fall off. Oh, mandatory <laughs> carry, you know. You actually, know. We know how you feel about Mandatory. He, he plays real, quote the unquote, real, real, the OG fallout. I think I'd probably Isometric like Isometric fallout. Yes. Anyway, I'm sorry. I'm going all over the place. I'm very ADHD. I have a, I have a flight tomorrow and I'm a little bit nervous it's going to get canceled. Uh, hopefully it won't. I checked in already because I'm flying American. I don't know what I was thinking. So anywho... So uh, Fearless Leader DeSantis did the two-prong approach. He's um, made a Ron's rule to uh, sue, you know, or fine companies that decide to, to uh, follow Joe's rule. And also now he also sued um, the Joe's mandate, calling it unconstitutional and a certain drag on the economy. Mm -hmm. Now switching over to your other link that you should have. Yes. This is actually from flgov.com. Ron DeSantis, 46th governor of Florida. Uh, he has announced legislative proposal to protect Florida's election integrity. So basically, I just want to let you know that I, I Googled this and every single hit that I got from every major media corporation that did a story on this has called it. I don't know if you want to try this out. Google DeSantis. Florida election uh, law, and you'll get a bunch of media pieces saying, calling it uh, Ron DeSantis uh, moves forward with a election police force. And like a very negative spin on it, but I don't understand why there's any negative spin on wanting to make sure your elections have integrity. At this point, we've all seen footage that have come out of wasn't it just during this past election in New Jersey, they had some footage that came out. I don't know if it was New Jersey, but it was uh, one of the northern states that had a highlight. I'm not sure. I don't know how to do that. Um, boop, boop, my head. Anyway, so the New Jersey, there was actually a, a video. I don't know if it was from Project Veritas. I have no idea where it came from, but somebody had some undercover footage of an actual poll worker saying, oh, yeah, I let in anyone in. 
I don't even check their ID. You know, it just, it's the point is to get people in to get, to vote as many people as we can. We don't check their IDs. Mm -hmm. Like what is so wrong about wanting to check IDs and make sure that the people who should be voting are voting? Mm-hmm. that's it like and making sure that everything looks good and clean that there's no shadiness because let's be realistic human nature sucks and i wouldn't put it past people to be like ha, let me do something you know uh, <laughs> i wish i could believe in the integrity of humans well it's the same reason Basically. why we carry guns for self-defense exactly. because people are bad it's, we need rules we have yeah. already proven that we need rules for the systems that the we create. The systems yeah. that we create to function because human nature sucks. If it weren't, if it wasn't, if that wasn't the case, we, there wouldn't be crime, okay? But anyway, so here's the four additional steps to safeguard our elections in Florida. Uh, establish an Office of Election Crimes and Security with the F- Department of State to investigate election crimes and fraud. Elevate the crime of ballot harvesting to a third-degree felony. Recognizing this as an offense, as a serious attack on democracy. Requiring timelines for supervisors of elections to clean the voters of ineligible, sorry, voter rolls of ineligible voters and for prohibit unsecure haphazard drop box locations in Florida. How that translates to uh, DeSantis proposing an election police force, I don't know. Clearly they didn't freaking read the article, you know, and they're just going based off of the fact that that sounds more like sensational. Yep. But once again, mass media, uh, you're not being very unbiased and you're not really reporting things as you should. Mm-hmm. So that's my story on Ron this week. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed it. Oh, man, it was great. Now, kind of throwing back because we've been on this tangent pretty much from the start. And even though it was a point that I didn't really make before because we already made the point before. First of all, there should be no mandates whatsoever. That's just how I feel, especially in this circumstance that we're in. We already know what this the this pandemic that we've been in, what the circumstances are, how it affects people. We already know all these things. So the rebuttal that you're always going to see is, number one, now we know, hey, uh, shouldn't be any mandates whatsoever. There is no precedent in history for the federal government to do these things. Number two. We already know that the poke does not give you protection. In fact, you can still spread it to other people. So in theory, you might be a Trojan horse spreader. So could be even worse in in, uh, in different ways, whatever. So the other excuse that they were using was, well, the hospital system is going to be overwhelmed because of all the unpoked people. Has that happened? And tell me, would it make any sense? So you're telling me that last year, nobody had any pokes because they didn't exist. But the system wasn't overwhelmed. And remember, at the very beginning, they said three or four million people were going to die and our hospital system was going to be overwhelmed. And that is why we had to do 15 days to slow the spread to keep our hospital system from being overwhelmed. Our hospital system was never overwhelmed, even when nobody had any, there was no natural immunity, there were no jabs, there were no other therapeutics or anything like Regeneron, monoclonal antibodies, horse paste, (laughs) And, and all these other great things uh, that we have today. So now that we have those things today, that's the only excuse you have left that you're going to overwhelm or that the unjabbed people are going to overwhelm the system. Have they? No, they haven't. Are you more likely to die? Yeah, that's what they say. But again, that's a personal choice. And 
if you're telling me that nearly 80% of the country, because that's actually kind of the latest stat that I've heard of adults in this country are poked, then how is that 20% going to overwhelm a system that 100% couldn't do before? I don't know. doesn't make any sense to me. But yeah, I was just throwing that back there, just throwing you all different arguments. If somebody ever comes up to you and starts questioning all these things, the facts are unassailable. The logic is unassailable. What is it? Um, the uh, what is it that Andrew Wilkhouse says on Sirius XM? He used to. I used to listen to that guy. The facts on this program cannot be broken. <laughs> uh, something like that. So on this, in this case, it's like when you throw the statistics about uh, crime with uh, with guns and things like that compared to suicide. Confucius threw that in the chat earlier. The, the data is on our side. So now it just comes down to standing strong and really not complying. It's kind of the same thing that we deal with with uh, the 2A in a lot of ways. And it's kind of ironic now that for years, for you know the last few years, you hear shall not comply in the gun community and in the 2A movement. And now you're starting to hear that with the jabs. So kind of interesting to see. We, can, we need to use all of this to, get, again, push this pro-freedom movement. Live and let live. You don't have to make the same choices that I do, but I'm not going to restrict your choices. You don't want to get the jab? Cool. I, I, uh, maybe I want to get it. I will. Um, you want to own a gun? Awesome. If I don't want to own a gun, then I don't have to buy one either, but I won't restrict you from getting it. It's the freedom of that choice and uh, to live your life the way that you want to. Speaking of freedom minded people all of a sudden uh i think well i think this is you know we've we've highlighted celebrities and and athletes who have decided to speak out about their their decision to do what they wanted like their their belief system on stuff uh i know we mentioned nikki uh we mentioned um oh my god Kyrie, uh and the latest and obviously (laughs) how let's go brandon has become the top song in the united states as well we talked about that um, and the latest person to be discovered as based is none other than the great Aaron Rodgers. Uh, if you don't know who Aaron Rodgers is, you live under a rock right next to me. And he is the longtime quarterback of the wonderful, amazing uh, Green Bay Packers and uh, the much beloved team of our friend Jera. <laughs> so Aaron recently got COVID, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> and he never before said what he was, his back status. He was, he said that he, he was, was immunized. immunized, but he didn't say for what. No, no. Under the original definition before the CDC changed what the definition of a vaccine is, he is correct in saying that he is immunized because the original definition before the CDC changed it a few months ago met with uh, the definition of immunization, which means you take a substance that gives you immunity and uh, stops the spread of a pathogen, which is what an immunization does. But that's not what a, the new definition of vaccine says. But I'm not going to go into that. But Aaron Rodgers apparently seems to know this information as well. So Aaron... Um Kind of like sneaky sneakied. I mean, I know the Packers knew because like they're his employer. So he probably had to tell them and he was following non-vaxxed. Uh, oh, I messed up, didn't I? No, it's okay. Non-jabbed, non-jabbed protocol. Non-jabbed um, 
people's protocol. So he was wearing a mask at practice and all that jazz. Uh, clearly he's not wearing a mask during games. So I don't know what their NFL protocol is. But anyway, um, so they knew, but people didn't know. And it just came out recently that he's uh, anti-pokey poke. And everyone lost their gosh darn minds. Um, he, he got dropped today by uh, a sponsor. I guess he was sponsored by a large uh, healthcare organization or group or insurance. I don't know. Um, it's interesting to see the diverse reactions to his. I, 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 I suspect that the reactions will be that within the media industrial complex, he will be demonized. And within fans of the NFL, he will be beloved and respected more than ever. And I think you will see people from other teams are going to start cheering on Aaron Rodgers. Right or wrong, it's going to start happening because that's where we are. So this group is called Previa, P-R-E-V-E-A Health. I've never heard of them. Um, so it ended its partnership with him. But I agree with you. And I actually found an article real fast that was like, I was like, seriously? Uh, the Los Angeles Daily Times, sorry, Daily News said it's important. Oh, who is this Wicker person? I don't it's, know. A, it's an editorial probably. So basically, it's titled, it's important to protect Aaron Rodgers' right to be wrong. So, th- I mean, F, you know, I think it's pissed, like, it, it pisses me off that he's wrong. You know, like, you should have the right to just say what you need to say and believe what you want to believe. I mean, we have people who believe the earth is flat, and they still have jobs, and they still live and get to go to the grocery store. So, you know, like, this literally is, like, America, the land where if you want to, like, worship a, a, a coffee cup, go for it. You know, like we don't, we let you do what you want. Um, but yeah, anyway, so that's the latest of the celebrities and famous people who are apparently based. And he said basically that the Republicans and the Democrats are both useless and that they're just two sides of the same coin and that he doesn't have any intention on going on either Fox news or CNN to be used as either, a um, a messiah or deem or, or or pariah by either side. So the Guardian, however, is not as nice. They say anti uh, poker Aaron Rodgers spectacular fall from grace happening in record time. Yeah, I'm sorry, but I don't. <laughs> I, see I think the fans fall are from grace I th- yet until yeah. until I see Packers not, uh, fans not going to the stadium anymore. I don't think anyone's going to care. Yeah, um, they care. They'll care more if he's not throwing touchdowns. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's so, how sports works. Yeah. So I, I think it'll be interesting to see uh, someone with his prominence, especially with how the Packers were doing this season and the numbers that uh, Aaron Rodgers was putting up this year. I think it can make some influence. I think more and more people are unafraid. We saw Joe Rogan stand up against CNN. I think he should pretty much sue them for, for defamation, what they did, and the fact that he had Sanjay Gupta on his podcast basically admit that CNN was full of crap. And then when he went back to CNN, he played it off like it never happened. So he's full of garbage too. Yeah. So these people have no integrity uh, and they just want to subjugate a shame and uh, take away your power. And that's why we can't stand up to it. And honestly, ridiculing them, making fun of them, uh, pointing out their foolishness and their lack of logic is the way to go. There is nothing more that the progressive left and authoritarians hate than making fun of them because it belittles them. 
It destroys their legitimacy, and there is nothing you can do. That's why the Let's Go Brandon thing is so powerful. I know some people are a little bit annoyed by it in the sense of, well, let's just say frack Joe Biden. Let's just say it right here. Let's just say F him. And I was like, well, it's a, I like this more because it's very subversive and everyone can say it. And in a way, it's an inside joke. Everybody knows what the joke is, but it points out two things. One, it points out how disingenuous the media is because they're the ones that created Let's Go Brandon themselves by trying to obfuscate F Joe Biden, the uh, frack Joe Biden tra- uh, chance. And I say the word frack because in Battlestar Galactica, Battle my Star favorite, Galactica nerds. yeah, my favorite uh, sci-fi show of all time, they replaced the F word with frack so that they could say whatever the heck they want. So it's pretty awesome. So, you know, those are the things that, you know, uh, th- that's what makes it powerful. It's the humor. Yeah, I know he the feds. Says the feds are going to take us out now. You told you, you you let them know what it means. Uh, I know. Well, no, the eight. Well, remember the Associated Press came out with like a, a or, or no, it was NPR had like what does let's go Brandon actually mean? It's like two weeks after the fact, as if anybody knows it. Like this intellectual thing. It's like, are you serious? It, it it's just ridiculous. So it works. It's subversive. It it shows a a, a certain level of disdain because you're making a joke out of it, but at the same time, it's a sign of solidarity where people that may be afraid of being so explicit, they feel that they can say it with and kind of get away with it. So it's that solidarity. It's like when you see that dude that's uh, got that, you know, that, uh, that shirt from one of your favorite gun companies on it, and you're like, oh, cool, man, that's another gun guy out there, and you see it, and you don't even have to say a thing. You don't have to start the conversation. You're just like, give them that nod and you're like cool man i was like my friend beth alcazar posted that she saw she was just dropping her kids off at school and the car in front of her was a truck and it had a uscca logo uh sticker on it she was like yeah Mm -hmm. friend (laughs) yeah so so that's that's just the way that you know that's that's the way to do it and you know it disengages people at first because they're like whoa what are you guys laughing at like what's the big deal and then you explain it to them some people will get annoyed some people won't like it they don't have senses of humor. The left can't meme. A lot of people have lost their sense of humor nowadays. So that makes it more effective in a way. You don't even have to be disrespectful about it. You just say that you are your ideas are so ridiculous that I'm just going to laugh at them. You know, and and just show people that this is a joke. It's not even that I'm going to sit here and and have to oppose you with violence or anything like that is I am going to ridicule you expose you as a fraud and as a joke and everybody else is going to laugh at you and you will lose your power and legitimacy because no one will respect how much of a joke you really are uh going to this chat uh cg bsg og or bsg sci-fi channel we are millennials sci-fi channel yeah yeah so i'm for uh so i'm so not gonna well. say unfortunately it's a great show uh that suffered from the writer strike on its last season but um I respect the OG BSG. It had really great special effects for the 1980s, yeah. especially for a TV show. Yeah. So, but it was a, it was a very different story. Count Baltar. Uh, <laughs> and Starbuck Carrie. was a dude. And Starbuck was a dude who so later did, became Tom Zarek. Yeah, that's actually pretty uh, cool that they brought you know the original cast member back, mm-hmm. and Tom Zarek is one of my uh, one of my favorite characters on the show. Oddly enough, because of <laughs> how messed up he is. Anyway. Uh, are you part of the BSG group on fascist book? Uh, I'm friends with Heidi's Hi- Hiatus Captain. Um, 
Rolando's not on fascist book and I am, but like it's, I'm never there because I just can't stand it. We were original fascist book members from when it first opened up and it's, I've just, uh, I'm pretty much on there because I think I'm going to close it down eventually. Um, I did want to bring it back to Aaron just for one second because uh, I found this pretty cool. By your command. By, by my command. Yeah. Uh, he apparently oh, yeah, Starbucks is Apollo. I'm sorry, yeah. He apparently yeah. cited Martin Luther King Jr. in his uh, to defend criticism of NFL protocols. Uh, article by MSN I just found where he said, uh, quoted, Rogers quoted, there have been conversations with it, Rogers said, when asked about communication with the NFL over not wearing a mask during media availability. He also said, I would add this to the mix as an aside, but the great MLK said, you have a moral obligation to object to unjust rules. And rules oh my that God. That, no that must have made people so angry for him to invoke Martin Luther King. I can't imagine how pissed off people got. I know CNN, uh, ESPN has been going absolutely insane. I don't watch those jokers, but uh, uh, you know, in the Twitter sphere, you can see that these people are melting down. Uh, interesting. So now the media is basically attacking him viciously and there's, you know, you Google him, he'll have a ton of negative, like there's another one on MSM. Sixth of Rogers, false and misleading claims about the poke. Listen, once again, it's not about the poke. It's about his decision and you can't force him to do what you want. If he decides he doesn't want it, that's his decision. That's it. And that, mm-hmm. should, that should be it. It shouldn't have to be anything. It shouldn't be anything that someone should write an article about. Leave him alone. But that's not how this world works. Uh, Mandatory Carrie says, anyway, I asked because like, he keeps inviting me to the group. I got too many pages to keep up. Yeah, no, we don't, we don't really, we don't deal with, what do they call it? The, the new, t- the, the group that now, uh, the Facebook is now called, called Facebook anymore. It's the Well, symbol. Facebook itself is Facebook, but now the greater Facebook corporation is called Meta. Did you see that That's a, there's another company that already is called Meta and they're suing Facebook? I mean, they should. I don't know why they thought they could have gotten away with it. They should have just named it Metaverse, but that's what their product is called. Did you have to go like this? Because well, I was going to... Are we like, going like this because it looks like two testicles? No, I was like... <laughs> I, I meant to do the quotations, but... I'm sorry. Uh, anyway. Um, do you want to finish the uh, show talking about Scottis? Uh, yeah, wow, we we went through the entire show and we didn't even talk didn't about Scottish. We didn't even Scottis. talk about Scottish. Yes. So, uh, wow, that's crazy. So, obvi- uh, man, obviously this week, uh, the Supreme Court finally heard oral arguments in the New York State Rifle and Pistol Association case versus Bruin. And uh, it was pretty enlightening. I think that the case is, I think it's going to go our way. Um, sometimes, sometimes... Um, Amy Coney Barrett scares me with the questions that she asks because I'm afraid that she's a little bit soft on certain issues. Uh, I don't really know how she is on the Second Amendment. Kavanaugh concerns me at times as well. But for the most part, it seems like things are going our way. So I'll briefly go over uh, what Cam Edwards had to say here. And uh, pretty much, Uh, Let's go. It's been over a decade since the Supreme Court heard oral arguments in a case dealing with the right to keep and bear arms. But that drought ended on Wednesday as uh, 
the justices took up the constitutionality of New York's subjective may issue permitting scheme for carrying a firearm in self-defense. The right itself and whether or not New York is violating that right was, of course, the primary thrust of the questions from the court. And it was Chief Justice John Roberts who delivered the question that struck at the heart of New, York defense, New York's defense of its law. Underwood had been asked by Justice Clarence Thomas about the state making it nearly impossible for residents of highly populated areas like New York City to obtain an unrestricted permit, which are theoretically more available for more rural residents. Underwood agreed with the premise, which led to Roberts to follow up by asking why the state makes it harder for people to defend themselves where the majority of violent crimes actually take place. See, when when John Roberts is asking questions like that, that usually tells you that things are going to work for your side there. Uh, and I am actually, that heartens me more than anything else because we know that John Roberts is notorious for essentially... I don't know if I would call him like a deep state kind of guy or anything like that. He just, I feel like he is on the bench and he does not rule on the constitution. He rules over what he thinks the best decision to keep America from falling into chaos over, over the decision is. So it's more like which decision will make sure that riots aren't in the streets nowadays, or will make both sides unhappy about things rather than choosing whether it's unconstitutional. So this is already good. I digress. Underwood responded by noting that plaintiff Robert Koch was granted a quote-unquote restricted permit, allowing him to carry a firearm while hunting, fishing, camping, or in remote areas and claimed that that satisfies his right to bear arms in self-defense. <laughs> oh my God, what a joke. How many muggings take place in the forest, Roberts asked incredulously. That question, which Underwood couldn't answer, is one of the fundamental problems with New York's argument. The state claims that it is a public safety duty to limit the carrying of firearms for self-defense but at the same time appears to recognize that the Second Amendment protects some right to bear arms. The state solution allows some people to carry where threats are low while restricting carrying to choose to a chosen few in the towns and cities where residents actually live, work, and shop. So, let's get to the meat and potatoes here. Uh, Samuel Alito and Brett Kavanaugh, justices who have expressed so far the most sympathy towards the gun rights advocates' arguments, grilled New York Solicitor General Barbara Underwood on whether it was appropriate for New York to second-guess the assertions from public applicants that they needed guns for self-defense. One of the individuals challenging the law had cited robberies in his neighborhood as a reason he needed to publicly carry a gun for self-defense, and he was denied the unrestricted permit that he sought. Alito raised the example of janitors and nurses who work late hours and might want firearms for self-protection. There's a substantial uh, number of people carrying illegal guns in the city, Alito said, but the ordinary hardworking law-abiding uh, law people I mentioned, no, they can't be armed. Kavanaugh asked Underwood, why isn't it good enough to say that I live in a violent area and I want to be able to defend myself? After struggling somewhat with the questions, Underwood tried to cut off the discussion by arguing that his case had not been framed around those issues. Uh, that this case had not been framed around those issues. She said that if that's the concern, it should be remanded back to lower courts for consideration of the questions. Oh my God. So I, I, you know, when you read that, it heartens me a lot more and it makes me think that they're just going to annihilate this case here. Now, what will be the implications? I am not a hundred percent sure. At a minimum, you will see every state that is shall issue will become, uh, or that is may issue will become shall, shall, shall issue. issue. So that's a huge improvement. Now, will it have more implications beyond that, like locations where you can carry in certain restrictions like that? I don't know. Um, so I really don't know. I could see a case where 
it may be shall issue, but they may just expand. Maybe states will expand the amount of gun-free zones that they're in to try to make a loophole around it or to try to stick it to people. I could see a state being like extra dickish and like drawing. you can't carry a gun in restaurants, private no, no, businesses, just like or anything. Drawing it with a, take a chalk and be like, "Oh, okay, yeah. you, you want me to make a gun-free zone? The entire state's a gun-free zone." Yeah. So and now, obviously, they can't Outside get away of, with that. They'll and, try something. But I, I, I think that they'll try some BS way to get around if the Supreme Court doesn't make this a multi-tiered decision. But I think at a minimum, people in states that have shall issue again will be or may issue will become shall issue and that will be a huge improvement um if the supreme court has some stones they could use the opportunity to really destroy a lot of different gun control and basically say you can't have restrictions anywhere now they won't go that far because this article i don't think points it out but i i'm pretty sure that i remember reading that uh amy coney barrett asked the question of well, aren't guns allowed to be restricted in certain places now, like federal buildings and schools? And so because both both sides were trying to use the precedent of not only the Second Amendment, but uh, English common law or British common law that goes back to the 1300s about restrictions of either, you know, people were allowed to keep and bear arms in obviously uh, medieval uh, Britain and Renaissance Great Britain, and then later on, they talked about how there were restrictions in certain public markets and in places where, uh, you know, government uh, business was conducted. So they tried They tried to use that as a precedence to say, well, even in the past, when things were different, there were restrictions and there were certain decorum when firearms and weapons were involved. So it's interesting to see how the arguments are moving beyond even the Second Amendment here and the history of how some American laws were developed as, you know, um, an evolution from British common law. So it'll be interesting to watch. I think things look pretty good. And uh, and I think that we should feel pretty optimistic about it. Uh, I don't know if it'll be the be-all end. I don't think it will be the be-all end-all that we want, but it'll be a massive victory in the right direction. We'll, we'll be quoting this one like we quote Heller. Yeah. Or citing it as one of the major moments. Yeah, but I also think just like Heller didn't do everything that people thought it would, and it wasn't the, to you know, to, for uh, to use the pun, it wasn't the magic bullet that everybody thought it was. I don't think this will be either. But you know, it's been decades of incrementalism stripping away the Second Amendment. So, unfortunately, it may take time to chip away to get it back, even though it shouldn't. But. Tony in the in the chat says states may expand the size of school grounds so gun I could see zone, that you know gun free school zones are much larger. Yeah, I mean, technically, again, this is a the, lot of states are like a thousand feet from a school. You yeah, can have it. I think Florida. You know, once again, we are the the gun shine state. But mm -hmm. technically, uh, if I drive or live close to a school, like within a thousand feet, I'm not allowed to have a gun anywhere there, which is ridiculous. Like, what if you're driving and there's like this town has schools like in the most inconvenient places? Like, what you yep. built that school after I moved here? Does yep. that count? So, yeah, Tony, that might most definitely will probably be their retaliation. Uh, Confucius in the chat says, a few days ago in Japan, some full-on, I think you missed the word there, the train started, uh, the tr somebody started stabbing everyone on a train. Yeah, they set on fire. And setting parts of the train on fire as you walked through it. And Once they again, just sat on the side and just started smoking a cigarette until the cops showed up. Once again, I bring back my point to human nature. If there wasn't, evil and and just bad that exists in this universe and sometimes it's not evil maybe they have a mental disorder uh, 
you know, clearly some things go off the tracks to mm-hmm. make it about trains again. And if that wasn't the case, we wouldn't believe in guns. And that's the point you're making, you know, until the world is completely sane and, and not and evil has gone away, there will always, always be a need for guns. And even if you get rid of guns for the opposition, Shannon Watts looking at you, uh, until you fix human nature, there will always be people finding ways to hurt other people. So come at me with your arguments about keeping your kids safe. The evil people will still try to find a way to hurt them. So the best thing you can do to protect them is to teach them how to defend themselves, to give them a chance. Absolutely. CJ, I want to say CJ. CG in the chat says, I recommend reading Les Adams, The Second Amendment Primer, a citizen's guidebook to the history, sources, and authorities for the constitutional guarantees of the right to keep and bear arms. Cool. We'll definitely Awesome. Yeah, we'll, get, we'll write that down. And uh, Copying it down to the list. Yeah. And then I had one more that I wanted to point out in the chat. Uh, CG. Again, I want to say CJ. CG in the chat says, check out Gun Truth channel on here. They have some, and on here would be YouTube. Uh, they have some lawyers discussing the oral arguments. It's an hour long, but very educational. I'm sure um, definitely will check out Gun Truth. I haven't, I don't think I follow that one, but Jared from um, Guns and... Gadgets and Arms Scholar both. Uh, yeah. Uh, but hearing from real lawyers will actually help. I know yeah, Arms Scholar is a lawyer too, I think. Yeah, I'm going to check those out. Mm-hmm. I, I love... Uh, educational, like, again, my background is definitely not in social sciences. It's more in science, and I've been honest about that. So it's definitely been a a learning experience for me um, getting into history and all that because I never really focused on that before. I'm very much a STEM student. Mm -hmm. So anyway, um, yeah, I like to watch. I like to uh, watch the legalese and all that stuff. So definitely a learning experience. I'll check out Gun Truth. Mm -hmm. And that's pretty much it. That's the show for tonight, guys. Yep. Uh, when, when will we be back? Because uh, you're traveling tomorrow, oh, so that's why we have the show tonight. Will we be back on Sunday next week? I think week? I will be. I Just give me two seconds. I'm pretty sure. Sure, no I'm, problem. I'm pretty sure I will be here next Sunday because something's happening. I can't talk about my yeah. stuff. but Might have some fun stuff going on this week randomly. We've got our, um, I believe that our friend, uh, if, if you watch the, our set of Solutionary Summit, interviews from uh a couple of months ago akil bay of tailored defense training uh, i believe he's going to be teaching a class down here he's going to be down here this week so yes. uh we will try to hang out with him this week say he wanted to hang out on the range or or get some dinner or something like that so when joe gets back we'll try to do that if not i'll go to the range with akil myself and so i will <laughs> be i will be present on sunday the 14th so our show okay. will be on sunday the 14th at 7 p.m great which is our standard normal time. Yeah, we've been looking to arrange some guests, but with our schedule fluctuating, we wanted to wait until we knew we had like a three or four week span that it's like... I don't think like, my schedule will ever be normal again. Yeah, I, I know. But I wanted to at least know like three or four weeks where it's I, like, okay, we know... through March. Yeah. So, so well, yeah, but where, where they can't add anything, yeah, where they can't add like yeah. a trip in the middle of it so that we can uh, get some interviews because some of the guests that we want to have on... They may or may not be able to accommodate a Sunday night uh, just because they're a lot busier than we are. Um, so I, I, I disagree. I'm pretty busy. Yeah, well, that's true. They're, they're very busy themselves, so uh, we want to make sure that everybody's schedule is kind of aligned and we can tell them, hey, these are the days that we can you know, have you on the show for sure, and we'll work from there. Uh, if not, you'll always see us here. And uh, 
Uh, we want to thank, too, the people that have been jumping on the game streams. I know it's different kind of content than not everybody on the channels nor uh, necessarily into. But um, shout out to the to the people that have been regulars on the game stream. CG's been there. Uh, Ting Ting is one of our new listeners. She's been on pretty much most of the game streams. And uh, Zach, uh, Appalachian Gunrunner, has been on there, too. G-Webs has stopped by a few times. So thanks for checking those out. We're going to continue those I did, streams as well. I did want to point out, I'm staring at my schedule, and I just realized that I will be present Sunday the 14th. Okay. However... Y'all should tune in that week because I'm not going to be here at all for the following weekend. So I don't I'll, I don't know what we're going to do. Probably mm -hmm. have to um, do well, a Monday show the next week or something or a Tuesday show. Yeah. So the week of Thanksgiving, I'm going to be out of town the entire weekend. <laughs> so come watch us on the 14th on next weekend because it'll, it might be a little bit before I'm back. Yeah, we'll do our next few game streams we'll do exclusively on Twitch. We'll repost... I've been pushing. I've been uh, wanting to push clips. Twitch. I really want to push Twitch. CG, back me up on this. Like, Roland is like, not, I believe, not a believer. <laughs> like, yes, we'll, we're probably going to be sitting there. Nothing is going to, no one's going to be watching. And that's totally fine with me because that's how you start. Yep. Like, that's how you start things. I don't care if I'm sitting there and no one's watching me epically fail at Halo because I suck at Halo <laughs> 1. Um, I, I'm, I'm trying to figure Where's out. Where's the sprint? That was so great, that video yeah, that we watched today. Yeah, I was today. like, wait, why can't I run? Why can't I run? <laughs> God. OG, uh, OG Halo was, like, kicking my butt. Oh, man. Uh, send the link to the book. Well, here's the title of the book. Uh, again, Alicia, if you want to. Save that. Send that to me, too. Yes, I, I, pinned, I pinned the message here, so it'll pop up on top. Send it to me on the yes, thing. Yes, I will send it to you now you know on Signal. Yeah, go for it. You know the thing. The thing. So... Thank you all, everyone, for joining us on episode 65 of the Locked and Loaded Latinos podcast this Saturday evening. We appreciate all of you and for spending your time with us uh, these last few hours. Don't forget that it's either the beginning or end of daylight saving. I'm confused by the daylight savings time thing. Spring I just want back. it to, I know that, spring forward, <laughs> fall back. I would like that crap to go away because it's messing up my cat's feeding and sleeping schedule. Do you know how annoying she's going to be this like until she gets used to it? And she doesn't understand it. I can't just tell her, I'm sorry, it's really 6 o'clock. You can't eat now. Oh, God, she's going to wake me up at like 5 o'clock every day. Yes. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Sigh. So, yes. Advocate for your states to get rid of daylight savings time. Make one time be a thing. Mm -hmm. That's it. That's how it goes. Florida, we tried to push that for a while. We'll see if it'll happen again. Wait, what state were you in? Arizona doesn't do daylight yes, savings time. Arizona. Yeah. Although I'll say that totally like if it jacked you up because you thought you were on California like, what, time. What, what, yeah. It's not. They don't do mountain. They do mountain standard time, but like not. Daylight savings time. I don't know what it is. It's, they basically felt like Pacific time. They were four hours away. Um, go watch the Canelo fight, my dear. Call up. Call me sometime. I don't know. I'm. I'm I was trying to call you, but I, I thought you were in on vacation. Bye, Alicia. <laughs> um, it needs to be like each time just needs to be what it is. Like Eastern time, stop moving. Should all be Zulu time, as far Zulu as I'm time, concerned. Zulu time, Central time, <laughs> chill out. Just stay there. I, this is just back and forth. It's just it's it's messing with my circadian rhythm. I already have insomnia. Now you're messing with it more. Now you're messing with my cat trying to wake me up. Come on, man. Yep. 
Anyway, that's it. That's all I got. That's Joe. So uh, everyone, like, subscribe, share this episode, especially today where this was a special episode of Joe's Rants today. I don't know. I was extra all over the place. She was totally extra. It was great. I was just sitting there watching. I was like, this is awesome. Uh, this is how it feels. Uh, this is how it feels to be on the other side, and I really enjoy it. And see, she's right. Not all of Arizona ignores that daylight savings time. I know what weird parts were able to get away with not like following that. I don't know, but it like. And why it, would they want to be different? I, I don't know why it's like regional. Like, and why is Pensacola in Central Time? Hmm. These and, are the uh, questions. I, felt, that, I feel like you should be like Zach the Destroyer. Dra- Dax the Destroyer. Zach the Destroyer. Drax the Destroyer and be like, why is Gamora? <laughs> who is Gamora? Who is Ga- no, no, who is Gamora? Why is Gamora? <laughs> Where is Gamora? Why is Gamora? Yeah. So. All right. Well, so, thank you. Uh, thank you so much, everybody, once again. And we hope to catch you next Sunday at our usual, well, at what yes. was our usual time? 7 p.m. Eastern time. 7 p.m. The 14th, we will be here. Be here or be square. (laughs) Thank you all very much and have a great evening. Take care.